With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to H Podcast Nation, the home of our originally created series, My Story. Uh, this is series two, episode number ten, and Ace uh, Podcast Nation, of course, your home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. And uh, My Story, like all our other shows and series, available in video format at YouTube.com/slash Ace Podcast Nation. Please do subscribe. Click, click the bell for notifications every time we go uh, upload or go live. You'll get a a little text and of course if you prefer your podcasts in audio form then just search Ace Podcast Nation on your preferred platform. Uh, we are doing the show live this week uh, as a special one-off. Uh, it's usually a pre-recorded show because I do something else on a Sunday but I figured Ed last Sunday night, uh, last Sunday we didn't release the show so uh, why not but uh, my story is a unique series as we take our guests through their life and career from their birth and upbringing all the way to present day as they share stories and anecdotes along the way. Series 1 featured actors, footballers, broadcasters, authors and more. And Series 2 will be no different. The tagline is very simple. Real conversations with real people. And uh, my guest today is a very familiar face. He's an ex-Borough Cardiff City striker as well as host of other clubs and of course he is the the co-host of our football shows uh the ac footy show and the championship show and of course uh our upcoming euros coverage to be uh announced later this week i'd imagine but uh, it is mr andy campbell welcome my friend how are you good evening <laughs> very different um i don't know if i'm I, I don't know if i'm scared or nervous or both a little bit <laughs> in anticipation but very different looking forward to it though Really well, the interesting thing about this one, mate, the interesting thing about this one, mate, is you do most of the talking and 
I kind of just listen and then I'll throw in like the odd question. But it's not like when you did most of the talking the other week with Clark Carlisle, whereby you've got like two people bouncing. Like I'm just listening, really. It's uh, it's, it's, it's good fun. It's interesting because what I find is with all the different guests and obviously we've had so many different people from different industries and different sports and music and all sorts is as they're going through like different parts of their life they remember stuff and they'll start telling a story and you go off on little tangents but we uh, we keep it to an hour because we wanted to keep it nice and fresh and uh, nice and quick something different for the people but it's been been well received i will say lots of people in the chat the usual faces Looking forward to um, i will say uh a little warning to the people in the chat so they don't get too frustrated it's not going to be as interactive as like the monday and the friday shows and stuff like that i will keep an eye on the comments and stuff like that and if there's any questions which are relevant to what andy's talking about i'll throw them in but generally it's going to be uh mr campbell's story and what we do, mate, to start is uh, you take us right back to the start, where where it all began, so to speak, and tell us uh, like a bit about you, your upbringing. We know you got a brother. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of that in uh, in the early days, mate. Well, listen, I'm from a, a very hard-working area. Um, my family, I'm very fortunate to be um, have the family I've got. We weren't, uh, we weren't. Me and my brother weren't born with everything. We were brought up on a. Uh, a rough council estate, um, and my mum and dad worked really hard. My dad worked away uh, whilst I was really young, and uh, it was difficult. I'll be honest, you know, to 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 not have your dad around for a long period of time. Um, from um, and big brother to be um, a role model as well. You know, I mean, growing up and always looking after me and things. It was it was difficult. Um, and then obviously, uh, dad got a really good job abroad um, and was able to push us into a, a better area so to speak and and life looked a little bit better um, for, for the family for myself and my brother just give us more opportunities you know what I mean and I, I want to see people from a, a lesser background and, and 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 looking for that opportunity for the kids and for themselves I'm I'm all for you know what I mean people are very fortunate I got a chance because my mum and dad worked so hard and, um, and my mum looked after me and me and my brother Neil for uh, for all our young life, and well, still, still, to, still to this day, to be honest. Um, so it's uh, it was it was great, and it's nice to uh, always give something back, um, and just uh, had it, and how how hard they worked throughout their life to give us this opportunity that we've got. Yeah, it's, I think it's difficult, isn't it? It's um, like when you've got kids who are good at something, the parents, it, it's a lot of the the kind of pushing them on. It comes from the parents, particularly in those early early days, because the fact is, like you've got a daughter who plays football now. I've got kids who play football. Is if, for instance, like if I don't run my kids to training and academy training and all these different things, yeah. they can't go. So you do need you need your parents to be committed to getting you here, there, and everywhere all across the country. Particularly, you know, if you're playing like a sort of representative level, where you have got to go. A bit further than the lo- local pitches, but like with you, was was it always only ever football? Was there other sports? Was there other stuff that you were interested in as a kid in school? I wouldn't say interested in. I'll say probably forced upon. Uh, we had to play rugby. 
um, or we weren't allowed to play football for the school team. And the school team at the time, you know, things what happened now with the academies and, and other areas and other avenues. But school football at the time when I played and I was coming through, school football was a big thing. School football is where what opened doors for other places. And school football was huge. Um, it opened it opened for me to play for the districts, which I played for Langbar. Um, Langbar, I don't think England, um, and North Yorkshire and things. So Langbar was uh, was Nunthor. Uh, through to Redcar, Saltburn, Broughton, all those kind of areas. And we had a we had a very good side. Um, you know what I mean? I, I know there's a few people on social media. Craig Haley was my strike partner. Um, Robbie Stockdale, obviously uh, Anthony Omerod, Ecknell's the player. So we had we had a very good side. You know, I'm not gonna not gonna lie and and and, and say we didn't. We did, but that included me as well. You know, and it was it was nice. But like you say, my opportunities would never come around because we were playing Sheffield, we were playing Doncaster, we were playing Middlesbrough, we were playing all over the place. Manchester, Greater Manchester, mum and dad. I wouldn't have been able to get there. I wouldn't have been able to get back. You know, it wasn't a case of of there's there's more there's transport. You know what I mean? It was it was mum and dad's desire to take me to 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 push me into these places and make sure that everything was uh, was right for me. You know what I mean? Safe as well because um, you know I mean they were always there before, but they weren't as well known about. You know what I mean? Back um, back in the day, I'll say. You know what I mean? But uh, it was great. You know what I mean? It was I, I enjoyed rugby to be honest because I played on the wing. I didn't get stuck in. I didn't tackle. I was. I was quick, so just give me the ball, I'd go and score a try, which was nice. Uh, but every two or three times in about 25 games in a season, it really hurt and I didn't want to come back for more, you know. So when I, when every time I got tackled in a game, I probably that was me done for the game. So if I got tackled in the first minute, it'd bring me off. But if I, if I got through a full game, I'd, I'd be loving it because people would just give me the ball. It was, uh, it was quite fun. Um, so Rai asked the question just now, which is kind of reminiscent or to do with your early days in sport and football. He said, like, if you weren't a striker, was there any other permission uh, positions that you would have played or could have played? Did you ever? Was it only ever a striker? Were you a glory mm. hound? No, not 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 growing up. No, you know, like, listen, it's it's quite cutthroat um, playing football. You know, like, especially watching junior football. Its parents want their son to get the ball, their son to score the goal. Um, my mum and dad went like that, you know what I mean, if you believe it, um, they used to watch Neil on a Sunday, one of them used to watch me on a Sunday, um, and uh, and they, would, they wouldn't speak a word, the only conversation we would ever have would be on a, on a Sunday dinner table about how we'd done or how badly we did, um, and I played up front sometimes, I played wide right, wide left, So, but it was just a, a variation, which I think helped me growing up and playing because I always had that variation and, and confidence to play out wide. I was always good on my, on my weaker foot. I was always mm. good on my strong foot. You know what I mean? I knew I knew different positions and different runs to make because I'd done it at a younger age and I think that's so tall. And I don't mean being versatile as in playing in five, six, seven positions like a like a Phil Neville for example, but I think it's good good to be versatile to show your talents off in at least two, if not three positions. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think, well, especially when you're a young kid, you learn more from playing different positions than you do if you just stick to one. And I think that's an important part of learning football, I think, for me. That's what I tell my kids, particularly when they were a bit younger. Um, I was just about to ask you about watching football, and uh, Don has just said in the chat like about watching Borough. How old were you when you went to watch your first live game of football in the stadium? Um, my first game, I think, was around '87. Um, I watched the game at Essen Park against Newcastle United. It's the, last, it's the first game I remember. Uh, Middlesbrough had to win to stay up back then. You know what I mean? Full of top stars. You know what I mean? The Peter Beasley of this world. Even the, even the. You know what I mean? They had a really good side, and uh, we beat them four-one. Um, Ian Baird's got two. My hero, Bernie Slaven's got two as well that day. 
and it was just amazing, amazing feeling to see the the the, the folk. I remember turning to me dad and just saying, "I I want to I want to play out there. That's my dream. My dream after that game was to play out in the stadium because it was just everything about it. You know what I mean? Seeing all the red, red the, the the red kits, the the supporters, the atmosphere." How much fun everyone was having, you know. What I mean, it mm. might have been different. It might have turned me against football, but for that evening, that summer, it really got me, yeah, got me going. And the next season, my dad got me a season ticket um, at the football club at Essen Park, and I just loved it. I just loved everything about it. I loved the build-up. I loved waking up on the morning and watching um, TV, and and, and 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 then looking forward to what time we were going. And then after the game, um, you'd listen to the results on the radio. Uh, me and my dad would go and get. Um, a, a local paper called a junior junior sports gazette which which had all uh, junior football results which had sometimes right up from us but also as well so it was a it was a long it was a day and a night and it was just it was just so special it just made uh, made football so special for me yeah it's when once you get that bug it's difficult to shake you've got to be honest once you start watching yeah. live football for the first time like in terms of your schooling and stuff when did football become the priority for you well old Jack and you'd have been because obviously like as we've discussed as is very well known you're much older than me and um back in the day they didn't have like academies and stuff like no. that and development no. centers and these things it was no. like schools you might have the like the FA school of excellence things and counties and that was about it and then it was clubs mm. there was nothing in between like no. were you no. quite a late bloomer in terms of you know, Burra picking you up and things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. I think in terms of age, um, I love primary school. I, I love the school in the primary school. I loved, loved everything. What about it? I loved the PE, but I loved also the learning. When I went to secondary school, I, I, the, my tides changed. You know, sometimes it didn't go, um, mm. which uh, which obviously parents didn't go down very well with um and i just didn't buy into it I, there was nothing you know what i mean and that accumulated when we leaving school with zero qualifications zero um gcc's you know what i mean some of them i didn't even take part in it's something that i can give my experience to people who say that the, the, the don't try and they want to do this and want to do that i signed for middle at 14 um, which is quite late, you know what I mean? Because a lot of my friends and teammates at the time were signing middles when they were 12 and signing three, four, five-year contracts at the time. And I signed a contract, a full-boy contract at the time, and I signed until I was 16. Uh, and then the club needed to make a decision if I was going to get a YTS, which would have been another two-year deal, which which once I left school, those conversations were had. Uh, and lucky enough, I did. But yeah, school was school was um, probably a distraction, I'd probably say. Fun. Um, I messed around a lot. Um, I made a lot of friends, uh, made a, had, had a lot of good conversations, but it, it, the work got in the way because I knew what I wanted to do. And, and when you have those conversations with um, with teachers and, 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 and external people about what you want to do, and it was a, I don't say, I would never say I got laughed at, but it was always, yeah, but what, what happens when you don't do that? And, and I thought, well, that's not an option. You know what I mean? For me, it wasn't an option. I was, I was that driven that um, at the time, we didn't really have another option, so it was. Uh, as I said, I went uh, to my dad's workplace um, and experience because uh, Middlesbrough did weren't taking players on at the time, and uh, I was uh, I was quite pleased just to sit around there, drink coffee, make coffee for everyone else, and then um, and then go back to training the week after when I was allowed. So I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but like it sounds like in some ways, particularly back then because things have changed a bit with academy football now you have to do well in school or they'll drop you yeah. but it sounds like you had that you were almost like that 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was quite similar as well. Like the stereotypical boy who's good at football. Once they knew they were good at football and there was a possibility that it was a career, the kind of education side of it was you weren't really too interested in it. Is that fair to say? Like you are just more concerned with football like. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think it was something else in life than just doing GCSEs, and and I took a risk. It was a huge risk, um, but it paid off at the time. And if I if I hadn't have made football at sixteen and got got to got to YDS, I would have had to go to college and probably start again. I probably wouldn't have got the course that I wanted to do, whatever whatever I decided to do at the time. But that would have been my own fault, and and I would have probably been a couple of years behind everybody else because of what I chose to do. But I chose to do something at a time when I I was probably not just not listening to people and and people telling me one thing and I just thought I knew everything. You're young, you're naive, you're stupid, and um, and I did things that I probably wasn't proud of looking back because when I had to go to night school going forward, probably 15, 16 years, that I wasted a year of my life. You know what I mean? Where I, I could have been doing something so different and and quicker. So I do wish now that um, I had taking it a little more serious yeah it's a very weird one just very quickly on schools like um back in the day when me and you were like doing gcses and things like that like we were it was like drummed into you if you don't pass your gcses if you mess this up your life is over like if you don't get gcses that's it like that's it you've got you've got no hope of ever achieving anything in life but if you were good at sport they did let you not good like they would let you miss school like i played cricket for the county i used to just miss days off going traveling around the country to play cricket and they didn't bother them but then yeah. before i played cricket for the county it was like if i bumped off a lesson which i allegedly did quite a lot it was a big problem and it was there was a lot of hypocrisy around school whereas yeah. and like they put a lot of pressure on kids like i didn't sit half of my gcse's and like I feel like if I if if I'd been told at the time, because there was a reason why I didn't sit my GCSEs, I didn't just not sit them. Like my dad died, what, like a couple of months before I was due to do them, so I only sat like the main ones, I think. But like if I'd been told, look, you can reset them and do, and you can come back and you can still do them, I would have done that straight after, and then maybe had a different career in my early twenties and stuff instead of knocking yeah. about in jobs in like sports shops and you know yeah. um, pubs and stuff like this because but I think the support wasn't there though mate mm. back in those days was it yeah. like uh, for you and like I think, I that's, I think say, that's really it, go on. It, it's really it's really familiar you know what I mean it, it just it reminisces with me as well you know that you've got you've got people who didn't go to school and they get in trouble for it I didn't go to school and I got away with it a little bit because it was a football club because you know what I mean I'd be in the paper or you know what I mean I'd, I'd sign my form so it was a it was quite a, a big thing for the school to have a middle footballer at their club at the time, at their school at the time. So it was it was always nice for them 
probably. So I didn't get in as much trouble. You know what I mean? I got, probably got in more trouble at home than I'd be honest, which I think if it was the other way around, it, it would have been more of a deterrent not to do it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and obviously, you know, obviously after football, you've got on to be a school teacher, which we'll touch on a bit later. But um, Riverside's asked the question. He said, did the lack of school results impact you after football? Do you want to touch on that very quickly, or do you want to leave that until we get to that part of the story? I'll give you the choice. Um, I'll, I'll answer it now because I think it's relevant. Um, yeah, but I, of course, I think they did, hundred percent. You know what I mean? But I, uh, I kept my C results, and uh, I've done presentations to other, to young young children. Well, when I say young children, so year eleven children, so fifteen, sixteen years old, to to show them that a teacher can also have a bad journey but also get there in the end by doing other things you know that my my horrific um you know what i mean on, on, i got a lot of u's you know what i mean g's i i didn't mm. pass any you know what i mean so i had to do things the hard way the long way you know, because of the journey and the decision, decisions i made so going back to the football mate i just wanted to touch on something like you know when we've talked about you as a footballer over the many football shows we've done You've been quite self-deprecating and I think probably a bit harsh on yourself at certain times, like saying, you know, you weren't technically very good and you were probably a bit lucky and you were just fast and you do put yourself down a little bit. I think you are a much better footballer than you give yourself credit for. But also, I wanted to know about those early days, like when you're sort of 14, 15 and you're playing with boys who've been in that borough side since they were 12. Like, where are you in your in your head and your eyes? Like, where are you compared to some of the names in that team? Um, struggling, under pressure. Um, every every Saturday or Sunday, depending on which, which day the game was, feeling pressure that that could be your last game and you could be replaced by somebody else because there's that many players who can do it. And that's the pressure that every young footballer should never have to go through. I'm not even mm. a footballer. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a schoolboy. I'm a young young lad just trying to enjoy with his mates and that's all. Um, you know what I mean? I got to probably 15, 16. We had, it was my last game at the Riverside um, 16 before the... Um, before Just before I left school, they were deciding on the, uh, on the YTSs and... Uh, and I, we played Doncaster Rovers and I came off the game, I'd scored one, I think I set a couple of goals up, 1-3-1 one, one, and I walked off the game and, and if Dave you're watching, um, please enjoy this bit because if it wasn't for Dave Connor, I wouldn't have carried on playing football because mm. I was so disappointed and distraught after that game because I just wanted to leave, I wanted to pack in, I just fell out of love with it, you know what I mean? And he, he sat down with me, he spoke to me, how he would utilise my talents, how he would push forward, how, how he believed in me, yeah. you know what I mean? And apart from seeing parents and hearing parents, you know what I mean? Football was quite a cutthroat industry, you know what I mean? Ron Bourne, who was my youth youth development horrible, who um, who brought me through as well, you know what I mean? That They were great, but yeah, you were only great because you were in, in, involved in the system, you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? They, they were amazing. They were both like dads to me within the football system, but... If I wasn't in the football system, like you know, what I mean, they probably wouldn't say good, 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 good words about them. But um, you know, what I mean, if it wasn't for Dave, I think I, I would have packed in football at sixteen, and uh, and because it, it really got to me, and I don't know what got to me. It was just the pressure, and then probably the release of that was my last game. If I don't make it, I don't make it. There's nothing. In, where do I go on then? Because there's more pressure. The pressure ramped up another level after that. Yeah, another level, another level. It just it goes and goes and goes, and it's. I think that's unfair, uh, and I think that's well, why there's. 
a lot of mental health in football because the pressure on players is is more so now because of social media. Back then, I, it was it was it was not. The thing is, you had at the back of your head as well. Like, if this doesn't work out, I've got no exact. I've got I've got all yous or whatever you said it was. So it's, do you know what I mean? Like you had that in the back of your mind, whereby at sixteen years old you're thinking, right, if this doesn't work out, I'm in a bit of trouble here. Do you see what I mean? Like, and that is so much pressure for a kid. Like, my oldest boy is now 16 during his GCSEs. One of the things that he struggled a little bit with when he was sort of 11, 12, 13, playing for Cardiff was, like, he'd be, he's a goalkeeper and he'd be playing and he would feel like you could see him working himself up before the games because he felt like, if I, if I have a bad game today, I'm never going to be a footballer. But to me, it was never about him being a footballer. It was just him playing and being as good as he can be and he'll play where he plays but yeah. like he put so much pressure on himself and like I played for South Wales School of Excellence from like age 15 I think to 16 something like that and I only played like a handful of games in my last season there before they switched to like men's football and stuff but I was the same like in training I'd be looking at all these other boys from the different football clubs who I'd be playing against on a Saturday and I'd be thinking, God, he's good, he's good, he's good. And I, I was like, oh, I'm not as good as him, I'm not as good as him. Yet, the first three games of that season, we played, I think, we played away at Wolves against their academy and I, I was picked to start. But I put so much pressure on myself to, because I didn't think I was as good as those players and I didn't have a coach like what you had saying, well, this is why you're playing. And now, look, as an adult, I can look back and I can think, yeah, I was pretty good. And I can see why they played me. And they played because I played alongside, I think, um, Jermaine Easter for a couple of games. So, like, I could see why they would have played me with him because I was quite yeah. quick and quite skillful and quite small. And he's, even at that age, like, he was a unit. Like, he's a big boy, strong able to hold the ball up and all this you know all the usual stuff like but it's it's a lot of pressure um and i at 14 15 i wasn't equipped to deal with it so i and i i, I had other issues in that i discovered girls and smoking and drinking and stuff which that does not mix if you want to play academy or elite level sports how did you stay away from girls and drinking as a teenager because you know, you were from a you're from a working class area. I'd imagine that all your mm. friends were doing it. Like, how do you yeah. do you put that down to your parents' influence, your brother's influence? Did you do it and uh, just get away with it? No, I, I I didn't. I didn't touch a drop until I was eighteen. Until I turned eighteen on my eighteenth birthday. That's, that's so I unusual, put, uh, mate. That isn't it? I put that uh, I put that down to mum and dad um, and to, to my brother. My brother was different. My brother. I know drank at a, at a very and continues to this day, uh, bless him. Uh, but it, it listens everyone to their own, you know. But I, listen, I, I I started at eighteen and got myself in in, in a lot of trouble with it, um, which I'll, I'll I'll talk about later on. But it is different. I stopped playing at sixteen as well. So obviously I left school at sixteen. I ended up getting an opportunity to play for the first team at sixteen. So I think that gave me the hunger and the desire that 
I didn't need to go on the lads' holiday in the summer because I just made yeah. a Premier League debut. You know what I mean? So I, I got in a, I was in a very good place. That was all. That was my do because Brian Robson's told me that I can't do it. You know what I mean? He didn't tell me that, but that was always in the back of my mind that if anyone did ask me, I've always got that get out clause that um, I've just made my Premier League debut. I'm not. I'm not risking what I could have next season and then the following season. I can say the same thing. I think when you get to 18 and uh, and you're allowed to do certain things, it's more. It's, it's, it's more difficult. And when you get the taste of it. Mm. It's hard to turn it away as well. You know what I mean. So once yes, you sample something, um, you know what I mean. If that's if that's drugs, if that's drink, if that's uh, gambling, if that's what well, caffeine, whatever it may be, addictions left, right, and centre, and uh, and it's hard to get away from things. Oh, 100 percent, mate. And particularly if you get into those things at a young age, it is incredibly different. Um, <clears throat> a couple of episodes I had um, rapper T Rev on this series, my story. Um, he's from Swansea. And like he got involved in drink and drugs at a really like really young age, like sort of 12, 11, 12. Like that to me, that's extremely young. But it was the area he was from. It was the he had like some issues at home and stuff like that. And it's only now where he's coming up to thirty that he's getting a handle on all that stuff because yeah. once once you start doing that sort of stuff at like that young age. It's this rule, you know, what chance you've got, like, because you haven't even reached that's hard. Like, listen, proper yeah. Still, yeah, it's really, maturity, it's just, have you? Yeah, it's really difficult, and, and you know what I mean? I, you it sounds so like you made some good decisions, you, though, mate. At, at a young age, I made I made some amazing decisions. I just didn't keep them up, and I didn't continue them. And then when I, when I did make the bad decisions, um, too often, probably to, uh, to get away with it. But then, when you made, like, when you started to go out drinking and stuff and I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute but like when you were going on like holidays and drinking and things like that like you were old enough to be able to deal with it and to know yeah, that yeah, to I've got a game tomorrow so I can't go yeah. on the piss or I can't do this yeah. and I can't do that whereas mm. as a teenager if you get into going to parties age 6, 15, 16 and you're drinking and you're smoking and all there's other people smoking it's very difficult to, to, to get yourself out of that because then you hit 18 and you can go to pubs and you're going out every weekend. And then that that's why I feel that managers do so much. Like you look at what Ferguson did with gigs and Beckham like and, all, and Neville and all them. He, he tried so hard when they were 16, 17 to protect them and, and to not let them fall into those habits. Um, did, as your brother, like obviously your brother's older than you and he like... Has he ever at, uh, mm -hmm. when you were a kid, maybe, like, not a kid, but like a teenager, 17, 18, whatever, did he ever have to kind of sit you down and say, mate, come on, get your head down and um, do this? Or yeah, were you, yeah, were you uh, probably, probably not 17, 18, but he's, he's, he's probably done it, he's, he's had to do it later on. Um, you know, I'm screwed on. I think it's because I, I got that opportunity really early, and I think that's what, that's what made me just, just, just made me just make those kind of decisions that I knew I just couldn't do it, and it was. But, but those decisions became harder every week. You know what I mean? Every mm -hmm. week towards when you're getting a little bit older, every Saturday, um, they become they become harder. And then once you give in, um, it, there was no going back then. I don't think. Yeah, of course. What right? So uh, you signed for Borough sixteen. How long was it before you were training with the first team? Um, I'm in reserves probably well, probably about a month or two uh, into the season, which was amazing. I mean, 16 years old, just left school and I'm playing with um, 
some young players, Mark Zumbel, Chris Freestone, um, etc. I'm playing with some experienced players, some players who I watched on the terraces, which is just a, a surreal I'm training with Gordon McQueen, Viv Anderson joining in, obviously the gaffers joining in, Brian Robson, and um, and then all of a sudden you, uh, yeah, Brian, the gaffer and, 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 and Viv and Gordon did things quite differently, you know what I mean? They always got a young player to, um, uh, to do jobs around the first fortly, but he'd also be there to do jobs, so... Um, young players would go to games. Young players would uh, would do certain things, and uh, and I think that's in my head. That's why I thought I was there for half the time. But you know what mm. I mean. And, and, and probably I'm, I am being a little bit disrespectful to myself. But reserves, I thought I did really well. You know what I mean. My my pace frightened opposition. I was I was raw, um, which I think really helps. You know, I mean, people didn't really know a lot about me, so I could I could. I could. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Could give that a little bit extra. Um, I played in some amazing stadiums, um, Riverside, obviously in the reserves. I've played again. I played at um, Barnsley at Orkwell, um, and it just gave me a buzz and a taste of. I'm playing here in in, in empty stadiums on on a night playing in the Pontins League. I want to play here with a stadium. I want to play here in a proper game, which which means something. And, uh, and I just want to do it. It wasn't about that. It was just about getting that buzz and scoring a goal and. And just playing at these kind of stadiums because I just loved it, you know what I mean? Because I was I was playing in the reserves one Wednesday, and then three days later I'm going back to playing on a on a field for the youth team, and it was it was difficult to bring yourself down to that level again, and then having to step back up and down. So it was nice to to be a regular reserve player over the years and get yourself in the first team and try and get a foot in there and and, and just climb that ladder as quick as quick as I possibly could, really. Um, just going back quickly uh, to the drinking and stuff. Uh, Donna asked, have you ever smoked a cigarette? No, never. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've smoked, um, I've smoked two cigars in my life. Uh, one for my eldest uh, when she was born and one for my second one when she was born. And I didn't mm. smoke because that was just a family thing, what we did or I think yeah, what yeah. we did with the lads at the time. So that, you know, never, ever in my life, no. I've, um, I know two people in, uh, like in real life who have never t- even tried smoking it's like a cigarette yeah, I wouldn't, even, you among wouldn't even know I wouldn't even know I wouldn't even I know I wish that if I, if I could change one thing about my life mate that would be that I would go back to when I was 15 I wouldn't know. and I would I never would, stop I wouldn't smoke, know what start do. smoking I wouldn't know what so, to do yeah but I'd be devastated if any of my kids smoke now because they know how much <coughs> how how much it gets to me that I like smoke so much and I it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult one to to to, uh, to kick Shall we say? Um, so, well, you made your debut for Middlesbrough, aged. It's your story, mate. You got to tell it. You got to sixteen. Tell it. Sixteen years old. Just, just about. Uh, just a boy. Two, two, two and a half weeks before my seventeenth birthday. Uh, Good Friday. On live on Sky against Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, listen, I, I was, I, I, man, Alex, a good friend of mine. Uh, we set the kit up on the afternoon. Um, I did loads of jobs for him, helped him out. Went upstairs to do a pre-match meal. Uh, the gaffer named his team. He named his subs, and he named me on the bench. And I was a little bit like just sat there thinking, 
Huey's just said John Pickering, who's um, who's sadly not with us. John was a good friend of mine. John was the first team coach at Middlesbrough. And John was sat next to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and just said, uh, "This is your chance, and, and I guarantee you'll get on today. Your family know know you're on the bench, um, so nothing to worry about. Just go and enjoy." It was just I was gobsmacked. I couldn't believe it, and warming up. Seeing the full house, Sky Cameras being there, playing against Sheffield Wednesday, who had some really good stars, by the way, that's a really good side. And the way the game went, Chris Freestone made his debut and scored. And obviously, me and Chris had a really good relationship with Middlesbrough. I came on about the last. I loved it. I, I, did, I did a great game as well. I didn't give the ball away, uh, made some good runs, and, and I just I, I didn't want the game to end. And I remember the game finished, and straight away when the game finished, I'm picking Kit up in the changing room and uh, cleaning boots. and. By the time the, all, that, all that had been clean, my mum and dad were waiting me to go home. and It just felt like a, a really good dream and that I was going to wake up. And Thankfully it wasn't and thankfully I didn't because obviously two weeks later, um, or the, the, the next day, two weeks later, um, the same thing happened. But obviously we played at Liverpool away, uh, Anfield. It was Ian Rush's last, so it was a, it was a big one. Uh, um, the manager put me in the side, named me in the starting eleven. Uh, he didn't tell the kit man, which is him all over so the kitman didn't have a shirt for me um, so the manager had to go trawling this top uh, blue away kit for me to for, for me to wear he brought it back he had to ring the Premier League to get a special dispensation for me to wear it which I've still got to this day um, and managed to get that at about 10 to 3 so I made my debut at Anfield stood in the in the guard of honour for Ian Rush <laughs> what on earth's going on kid, this, like... is, this is ridiculous 16 years old stood on the on Anfield, you know what I mean, watching all these world world superstars ready to play their game. Neil Ruddick marked me. Um, I think I was on, on the pitch for about 70, 71 minutes and he did everything to me, kicked me, did everything to me. And I, I grew up from a boy to a man that, that afternoon and I realised what it takes to be a to be a footballer because I always thought after that game and, and coming back and speaking to my mum and dad that whatever happens on the football pitch, nothing ever will be as worse as that. Nothing ever will be bad. But no. After the game, he said to me that uh, that was one of the hardest games that he's had. You know, what I mean, I ran him all over. He he, he had a really tough afternoon, and, and 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 I'm hoping he wasn't just saying that just to get my confidence up. But it was a nice thing to hear, um, and uh, and that was just a start. It was a, it was it was my own little drug. It was, you know, what I mean, I've never yeah. taken drugs in my life, but that was my own drug. I wanted more of it, and I wanted more of it straight away. And the thing is, I think, um, like, at that time. Making a debut at 16, like a first-team debut, was pretty rare. Like, it was normally around 17, 18. That was quite young. I know, like, you, Michael Owen, were probably... They're the first ones where I think back, and I think there was, like, 16. And I know since then, there's been a couple of 15-year-olds. But, like, to me, it's yeah. madness. Like, but also, it's, it is mad that a child is playing, like, Premier League football. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But equally, I think it shows that how highly Brian Robson thought of you and I know in the end you ended up leaving Middlesbrough which is kind of next on the on the horizon for us to talk about but just talk about the the influence that Brian Robson had in that first sort of period of your football career and, and basically you becoming a man like because you even though you were 16 you had to become a man because you were playing men's football for your job oh listen Brian's uh Brian's a hero, hero of mine for not for the the reasons that people think. Brian was like a dad to me at football. Um, I was going through a tough time in my personal life at the time. My mum and dad had just split up um, and were getting divorced a lot with me. Um, 
the manager helped me out. The manager put his arm around me and gave me a kick up the backside when I needed it. But it was, it was, it was just perfect to me. You know, I mean, I made some really bad choices at Middlesbrough um, with with drink uh, and things. And and he he gave me the advice and told me what what I was doing was the wrong things. And he wasn't that nice about it, by the way. But he's it, been there, though, hasn't he? In that, he's yeah, been he was. There yeah, and he was, and, and he was, yeah, and he was, and he was perfect for me because um, he knew exactly what. What I needed to do to to get round it, and um, and it was only the day that that he absolutely heartbroken. I'll be honest, you know what I mean. I, I, emotion that day was that was it. I'd, I'd, I'd spat me dummy right out and just said, "Listen, I, I can't stay here anymore." You know what I mean. I went to see the mm. chief exec straight away, Keith Lamb, and just I, I've just lost something. I've just lost something now at the club. We can stay here anymore. Um, he told me go home, come back tomorrow, and uh, see if I felt the same way, and if he. If I felt the same way, he would allow me to. He would allow me to leave because obviously the new manager had already been um, been brought in to take over. And uh, uh, I came in the next day, said I felt exactly the same way as I did yesterday. Um, and he said he would grant me a, a transfer as long as the deal was right for the football club, and and I was happy to go. What about um, in terms of like as a young man, like sixteen to eighteen? How did you deal with uh, like media in terms of you know when they rate players and they talk about your performance? Like we had Clark Carlisle up this past Monday and he talked about how he got really upset when he got a four out of ten for the playoff final and yeah. um, things like that. You know, some players it maybe doesn't bother as as much as others. Some players don't look at it. Like, where did you stand in that? Did you pay no attention? Did you ever fall out with any journalists across your career because of things like that? Between 16 and 18, I was really lucky. Um, the good things were getting said about me because I'd, I'd already made my debut. So I was on the crest of a wave and, and people were saying saying good things about me all the time. And it was very rare that anybody did say anything bad. And if I did have a bad game or a bad moment or make a bad choice, it would always be remembered that I'd done so. I was quite lucky at that time. I think it probably hurt me a little bit and, and I started to probably take notice of probably when I left Middlesbrough that, that I'm now in, a, in an area, in a, in, a, in a club, in a country where... I'm not, I'm not uh, one of their sons anymore. You know what I mean? Where I was, I was. I'm a local lad. You get, you get protected a little bit. You know what I mean? The media seemed to protect you. The club protected you. The fans protected you. You're a hero. You go to a club, and all of a sudden, you've got to reinvent yourself again. You've got to start from scratch and, and start over. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, with you know, well, um, so obviously Brian Robson had a massive influence on you, on you mm-hmm. as a person. What about? Uh, maybe players, senior players above you. Um, I, oh, listen, I had, uh, I've had I've had loads of Kavanagh, um, Robbie Musto, Nigel Pearson, um, Jan Agafiotov, Mikkel Beck, Chris Freestone, uh, Middlesbrough. They helped me no end. You know what I mean? They all helped me all the time, and 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 really, really, I grew up really quickly, and and I knew that they were there if I ever needed them to speak my advice and to to leave. You know, I had an opportunity mm. to go and sign for Aberdeen. Uh, it didn't didn't see didn't feel right for me. Um, a fee had got got agreed. Um, I went there to have a look around. It still didn't feel right. Came back, spoke to a couple of players, and they said to me, "Listen, if it doesn't feel right, don't go." I said, "Something else will come up." You know what I mean? You, you know what I mean? There's clubs want you. You know what I mean? And, and said something will come up. And, and, and luckily enough, um, Cardiff City was well, Cardiff City was around the corner, so Cardiff City happened. And um, but that obviously wasn't before. People might not know this. You know what I mean? Things that. Um, obviously, I, I failed a medical at Crystal Palace a year and a half before. And Brian Ross was manager. Brian, Brian was good, good best friends with Steve Bruce. 
um, Steve Bruce's manager at Crystal Palace, and uh, Brian said that he thinks it would be a good move for me if I if I went to Crystal Palace and signed for signed for Steve. Um, who were in the Premier League at the time, and and because he said it, I'd be happy to go there. Agreed terms, agreed everything, but failed my medical uh, on a and a, a long-standing ankle injury, which. I needed an operation straight away to, to, to sort it out, which, which obviously came out of the blue, which nobody knew. Um, um, and then I went back to Middlesbrough, did that, and then got me left. And Lenny got in touch and signed for Cardiff City. But you talk about people, say who had an influence on my career. You know what I mean? There's a, a, a lot of people, but the two managers who, who I'm going to talk about, Brian Robson had, had the influence, like I said. But Lenny, Lawrence, uh, I can't thank enough. You know what I mean? Many years, you know what I mean, to, to, to the phone calls he gave me. Um, to try and entice me out of Middlesbrough, which I didn't need a lot, by the way. Um, to the effort he made when I came, you know what I mean for uh, you know what I mean for his family to to look after me when they did, for him to to be as friendly as he was, you know, beyond. And people think, well, it's a manager's job. It's not a manager's job at all. It's a club's job, but it's not a manager's job. You know, I'm a manager's there and manage the team. You know what I mean? He he went above and beyond with me, and uh, and I'll never forget that. And uh, and there's moments, you know, look at the playoff line, look at the moments. Um, and those moments, he made me the person at Cardiff City and made me settle in really quickly. And uh, I couldn't thank him enough. Yeah, I think, like, what was that like in terms of Middlesbrough as your, your team, not only the not only your hometown club, but it's your, the team you support as a boy. It's yeah. the only thing you know. Like, and you're going to, you know that if you go to Aberdeen, you go to Palace, you go to Cardiff, it doesn't matter where you went, all those clubs... And not in Middlesbrough, are they? So, like, yeah. What was that like for a young man to be thinking to move away from his family for the first time? Hard, yeah, in, hard, in terms hard, of a decision, yes. but also in practice of doing it as well. Yeah, it was. It was probably easier uh, doing it than it was thinking about it. You know, what I mean, when I thought about it, and thought about it too hard. It was always a no. Um, but when I when I went and did the move. It wasn't as hard as what I thought. You know, what I mean, I, I was dreading it. I was worried about it. I was worried about driving driving there where is it how do I get there do I, what happens if I get lost when I get there where do I go who do I talk to who do I know uh, where's the hotel it was loads of things you know what I mean I, I remember I remember my first couple of days in the hotel um, just to, just to settle me in before obviously Sam and Lenny came and, and I would eat in the hotel on my own I'd, I'd go down to the restaurant every day and, and I'd sit there on my own and I'd see families eating or businessmen eating in King Falls and Fives and Sixes sat there on my own and and I think on the second and third day, I brought a newspaper down with me because I thought, listen, this is just uncomfortable. I'm sat there eating my dinner, looking at people. I just, so I just brought a, a newspaper, plugged it down my table and, and just read it while I ate. And I remember the manager coming up to me and just said, listen, you can't, it's not, it's not appropriate. And I just thought, well, do you know what? I'm not coming down because I just felt really uncomfortable. And yeah. uh, I think it was after four or five days, I went to go and see Jason Turner at the club. Um, it was a club secretary at the time and just said, listen, Jason, is there, is there a chance that I can go somewhere else or live with I'm just not enjoying the hotel life the room's fine the, 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 the everything's fine apart from the dinners you know what I mean and what I don't want to do is go into town and 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 eat in restaurants on my own because I've been the same thing you know what I mean and I, and I, yeah, I wanted yeah. to do it right I was still wanted to prepare right so it was uh, got me a got me a flat in the in the bay sorted and it was it made things a lot easier for me and, and made me settle in really quickly and, and and that was pushed on by the manager so I, I really can't thank, uh, thank the club enough for that really did you know any City players before you came down? Uh, yeah, uh, obviously knew Cav, Grayson, uh, I knew uh, I knew Des Hamilton, 
uh, I knew a couple of the others. I remember my first day's training. We trained in the Vale of Glamorgan and we trained in the in the in the dome thing, um, mm. right down the bottom where the I think where the uh, where the where the golf the, the golf course was starting to be. That was awful. I had the worst training session ever. We did a shooting drill, and I remember Reese Weston was just howling at some of my shots, and and, and he was like. Is that ink dried yet on his contract? And I was just thinking, Jesus, like I'm just, I, I just, I just didn't want to be there. I just wanted to just get swallowed up. But it was a, it was a case of that. I and a lot of the lads had been given the day off because they played on the, I think on the Wednesday or the Tuesday. So they were coming back in on the Friday before the before my first game at Northampton. And um, and listen, football's banter, you know. You got to take it, and it was just, it was just one of those things. But it, uh, it's part of welcoming you to the side as well, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. Yeah, first day is, is not. It's probably not the best, uh, not the best practice. No. I'll be honest. Um, so obviously we um, the show I did with Cav and and the show that we did with Cav, uh, he mentioned uh, the the sort of sheep's testicles with Sam Man when he signed and what what was your first impression of Sam Man very quickly? Um, Sam was amazing for me. You know, listen, yeah, there was no there was no stories as in what he made me do and what he made me eat. He was very uh, very positive when I you know I mean very loud, very positive. He was he was everywhere where I went. He, Make sure I was okay, but no, he was he was a he was a gentleman, loud gentleman, but, but he was a gentleman, and uh, and uh, I can't thank him enough of, of the way that he pushed our football club in a in a direction when I was there. It was it was it was great to have around, and uh, and I think he's got to take huge credit to be because of him. Um, Riverside just asked, was Sam a man still there when that goal was scored for Cardiff? Yeah, yeah, Sam was. Of he wasn't walking around the ground. He but began it. Uh, he after, began after the, after the game. Yeah, I've got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of photos of me and Sam after after the game with me, Sam, and Lenny being Sam. Um, Sam came in um, at my press conference after the after the game. I was still in my kit, yeah, and 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 obviously people wanted to talk about the goal, and and I remember I remember sat in the in the press conference, and Sam just sat there thinking, "You've just got us promoted," and and, and he'd just pop up with a, with the odd comment, not not answering anything, just come up just saying. What a goal! What a goal! Like, he just couldn't. He was just amazing, and and I'm just. It, it just made. It, it probably made me feel a little bit more comfortable because I didn't prepare. I hadn't prepared for to be dragged out of a changing room, stuck in front of five hundred reporters, yeah. cameras. You know what I mean? For that for that ten fifteen minute spell, and I just wanted. To, I wanted to go as far away as I could in the changing room and, and start partying with the rest of the rest of the lads. Hundred percent, mate. So. Obviously, it's very difficult to cover your whole sort of life and career in an hour. So I'm gonna throw some questions at you now, mate, to sort of uh, round just some general questions, really. Um, what is your what was the worst period of your football career? Uh, being injured, I think. Um, I had a couple of really serious ones. I was injured for 12, 13 months at Middlesbrough. I had six, uh, six or seven months at Halifax twice, and probably all three times I, I drank myself into oblivion. Uh, I was, I was, I was lonely at the time. It was, I was selfish. I was, I was out of order, and it was just a, a really tough time because I, I knew how mm. serious the injuries were, and I didn't really know how to handle it because. When you're when you're a footballer, you go in, you do your training, you go home, and you have a routine. A routine, and I didn't really know how to handle the routine because I'd go in, I'd lay on a treatment bed for two, three hours at a time, and and then he'd tell me to go home, and I'm thinking, well, I didn't know how to handle it, so I handled it in a really bad way, um, and just got 
all my decisions wrong and it was but I had a knock on effect you know what I mean uh, I was in such a good routine of, of not being able to do things before the game where now I can go out on a Tuesday I can go out on a Thursday I can go out on a Friday before the game I can go out I can go out on a Saturday straight after the game I can go out on a Sunday it doesn't matter so there, there I'm more or less covered the whole week you know what I mean? yeah. not thinking about it and that's the scary thought of it you know what I mean that, and that was um, and then all of a sudden you get, you get a little bit of a reputation for doing it and then it's trying to change the tide of it you know what I mean so yeah. All of a sudden, you've got to be able to come back training. You're starting to do jogging. You're starting to do little bits of training, little bits of exercise. Well, I, I changed my whole lifestyle again because I went from again being a professional athlete again overnight, and it was that was difficult as well because mm. I'd probably gone uh, above and beyond and gone too far. Um, also, uh, so that, that would be like your least favourite sort of period. You um, we've you know we talk about Dave Jones almost on a weekly basis sometimes. Um, you fell out with Dave, um, but did you ever have fall out with any teammates, whether it be during a game or after a game, or was there anyone over your career, if you don't want to name them specifically, but you could tell the situation or anyone you fell out with? There's always arguments on a game, uh, on a, on a, but for me, it was always what happens in the changing room, stays in the changing room, and it, was, um, it happened weekly, gamely, if not daily, you know what I mean? There'd be fights on the, on the training ground, um, which are involved in remotely or directly. And it's just, it's really as, 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 it's a case of that you want to win, you know what I mean? And and it, and it brings togetherness, you know what I mean? The, good, the, the, the bad times sometimes can bring the best out of a bad situation for a, um, for a group of players, for individuals. And um, yes, it was, a, it was a difficult time with Dave and it wasn't handled in the, in the right way by him. He was, I, I thought he was out of order. Uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, in my opinion, he was out of order. But I was so stubborn, it was scary. Um, so, you know what I mean, if, if he hadn't have been as, as out of order and I wouldn't then be as stubborn as I was, it, it could have been handled a little bit better, we could have shook hands, there would have been less fallout and then certain other things might not have happened as well. Yeah, do you think if there was someone, maybe uh, someone around at that time, like a Lenny Lawrence or uh, Brian Robson, just someone who you spoke to on a regular basis with a bit of experience, they might have been able to maybe talk you into dealing with it a different um, you know a different way and and maybe there would have been a different not necessarily a different outcome but a different feeling coming out of Cardiff because obviously Cardiff from you know you you made your most appearances for any club for Cardiff City you took you know you achieved getting Cardiff City to the playoffs you scored this famous goal but also like that journey for Cardiff getting to the championship was a long one we failed yeah. I think it was like the three seasons before that, at the very last hurdle, whether it was missing the playoffs on the last day or losing the playoff semi-finals over two legs on away goals or a deflected goal, like it was a long journey, and and I think that's what made that day so special was that um, it wasn't just the you know the the goal and winning one nil and it being in Cardiff, it was the journey of failing. Before that, I, it was almost like the relief finally yeah, doing. I, 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 listen, I think it was. Um, I, it was just he wanted me out of the football. He was given a remit to get me out at all costs, and he decided to go down a certain way. Instead, he's just saying, "Listen, you know what I mean? Uh, what's your thoughts? If you're not going to play, if, if if the conversation was handled in a different manner, you know what I mean? And and telling somebody that your face doesn't fit here, you're not wanted. Your fans don't, your teammates don't like you. You're not allowed around the place." You know, those kind of things were said to me, you know what I mean? So when those kind of things are said to you, well, I said, well, I disagree. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I just came in with two lads who you just named, you know what I mean? Who, who, who I share a car with. 
you know what I mean? He said, well, you're not, you're not training with them again. I said, I live next door to them. The whole thing didn't add up. And then you start to think to yourself, who can I trust in this place? Yeah. It's, that's hard then, isn't it? You know what I mean? And, and so I'm starting to then doubt, you know what I mean? So I'm going to, I was a member at the Vale myself, you know what I mean? So I go for a swim now and again. And, and uh, I was training there one day because I went in the club, not allowed to train. And, uh, and the lads turned up as a, as a, as a, in a warm down and, and, and the manager and his coaching staff turned around to me and told me that I wasn't allowed to speak to anybody from the club. And I just thought, listen, this is, this is it. You know what I mean? This has got so serious now that I've got to leave and someone's got to, someone's got to give it. And he gives in. So the next day I went in with it ultimatum and, um, he wasn't giving in. And then again, you know what I mean? So all the, the, the fuel on the fire just kept, just kept igniting all the time. And it was such a shame because, um, I, I love that football club and I still do and, and, and you know, I've got one person's opinion who wanted something different at the time and um, I just wish it was handled differently um, and, um, and if you want to come and apologise to me I'll, I'll forget about it but it won't happen it won't happen well it's, it's funny mate I tease Kev about Malky because Malky didn't fancy him and he wanted him to go and I kind of tease him about that and the way Solskjaer t- treated Kev was abhorrent but like, there's a way of doing it. Like, everyone understands, even us as fans, we understand that when a new manager comes in or when there's a manager, he it's, he's got to make a decision. If he doesn't fancy you as a player, that's fine. But just say, I look, you're not going to play. I think you should move on. And if you if you know if you say no, I want to fight for my place, then that's up to them then to either say right, okay, but you got to understand you're not going to play. Or yeah. them saying a bit more forcefully, look, I think for the good of the club and the good of you, you should probably go, but not mm. try this like psychological approach where it's messing with your head, upsetting your personal life. And mm-hmm. very it doesn't have to be personal, to me, well. like, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have to be personal. Of it doesn't. And, that, and, that, and that was a thing. For me, it got too personal. You know what I mean? So for me, if you kept it... Um, if we kept it just in, in, within the club and we had a conversation and we could have done it um, and then instead of going home angry about it and ringing my agent and ringing the PFA so I'd, I'd all of a sudden got three or four people involved who were telling me these things to go in tomorrow and fueling the fire straight away so already I was going in tomorrow in a bad frame of mind and throwing things at him which he didn't like and then all of a sudden it's, it's you know what I mean whereas it could have been done so different it wasn't um, and you get on with it, don't you? It's football. It Listen, it's just a, it's just a, it is, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a club which I, I do wish that I was able to finish um, my journey of finishing off in a, in, in, a, in a way. I'll be able to give someone something back to supporters and do it in, in my, on my terms and not his terms. But it wasn't to be. Exactly that, mate. Um, so Donna just said we should get Do- uh, Dave Jones on the Monday show. Um, all I can say is, I have tried, I've tried everything I can. Um, there's nothing, and you, I'm sure you can uh, attest to that. There's nothing more I can do, in terms of. No, oh, listen, it, listen. It, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, we 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 all we've all tried. We want to do things, but it's just listen. It's, it's one of those things, and, and my fault in a way that that how I reacted, and I put a I put a tweet out when 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 Dave got a job at Hartlepool United. Uh, bad timing, um, <laughs> probably for everyone's on everyone's part. Um, told him what I thought of him. Um, and it went viral yeah. over well like the minute I said I pressed send basically it's and gone. players, managers, clubs, supporters, papers everybody was ringing me up within 
a minute of it landing. So I knew straight away that maybe he's all whoops. I probably shouldn't have sent that, but yeah. you live and learn. So um, it, with regards to the the aftermath of Andy's football career, um, we're not going to discuss that tonight. However, if you want to hear Andy talk about that, um, I've just dropped the mental health in sport episode featuring myself and Andy, which is where that was predominantly about. It was like the end of your career and and the aftermath of that. So people want to do that part of it, they can discuss. Um, there's two subjects which I would like to talk about to wrap us up, mate. And, uh, and you know, look, I'd be honest, mate, I could do this. This could be a two-hour episode and we could go literally bit by bit, club by club. It's difficult, but mm-hmm. it's just, this is the idea is that it's a short, sharp hour. Um, so first and foremost, you made four appearances for England under-21s. Of course, you had some very famous teammates um, talk to me about that in terms of the importance to you personally for representing your country at such a high level, but also mm-hmm. uh, is there any regrets that maybe you didn't get that full cap as well? Um, I, I made my, my debut at the Riverside Middlesbrough Football Club and I always thought that I was only in that group to get the fans into the stadium that day. Um, uh, which I don't know the answers to those questions. You know what I mean? I, I was I was playing sometimes in the Premier League. I wasn't a, I wasn't a, I wasn't a star. And and you know what I mean? There was bums on seats because there was a middle football player in that squad. Um, so maybe I am giving myself a little bit of a disservice. However, the second, third, and fourth time, which um, which my caps for the the second one was the Yugoslavia game in skin week out in the Premier League. I just scored on the Saturday against Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, and I played in the World Cup in the European European Championship qualifier qualifier against uh, Yugoslavia in Barcelona, uh, which we won three 0 in the famous photo of uh, Lampard, Kieran Dyer, Emil Heskey, Richard Wright, uh, Jamie Carragher, um, uh, Seth Johnson. Anybody else have missed out? Me, um, you know. And I deserved to be on that pitch. Didn't deserve to be in the squad. I deserved to be on that pitch yeah. because the way I was playing. Um, I wanted to give myself an opportunity to play well, got myself a goal, uh, we won the game, uh, played really well and all I wanted was to be in the squad for Slovakia for the European Championships, that's all I wanted, didn't care about anything else and, and thankfully I've got that opportunity. Um, I didn't play as uh, we massively underachieved, as Adrian Beverton spoke on, uh, on on our previous show, we, we massively underachieved. For the players we had, Premier League footballers, we, we massively underachieved. Um, but do I regret not getting a full cap? Uh, because it was out of my hands. It, 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 the squad was picked by Kevin Keegan and other managers. Um, yes, I was disappointed that some other people got set, got caps, and it was it was like that they were given caps. And you know, I mean, would they have liked one? Maybe that I probably not not wanted one and just got the one. You, you only got you only got one. You know what I mean? For me. It's probably not about the one, it's about the two, three and four. You know what I mean? If you do it two, three and four times, you deserve them. You know what I mean? The, the one, is it is it just a meaningless friendly? Is it just because the one and have a look at you and how you fit it in? You know what I mean? You can do that in training. You don't need to have a cap for that sort of of the England caps I've got. Um, nobody can ever take them away from me. I deserved I deserved at least three of them, if not all of them. Um, so the three I definitely deserved. My debut, I'm not so sure. Um, but if my remit was just to get bums on seats, then I did my job. And they did that as well. And I played well. I was, uh, I was quite pleased. And I got and I got to play for my country, so it didn't get any better than that. Absolutely, mate. Um, uh, any regrets from your career overall? Something, anything you would change? No. 
Um, not football career, no. Not one. Not one. No, not one. Not one whatsoever. Um, uh, on a personal level, um, you know what I mean. It's 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 hard, Silas. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say you know what I mean. Like, football's easy. Football is one of the most difficult things. It's mentally, it's physically demanding. Um, you know what I mean. I, 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 the, the facts rate the rates about divorces within within footballers because the amount of time that you that you focus on football and it's hard to dictate about 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 family life and and t- trying to differentiate about that. You know what I mean. Mm. I, I I'll be honest. I struggled. I struggled. I struggled to focus family when I was forced so driven on the, on the football and I was away and I was moving clubs and it was about me, not 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 nobody else. You know, and it was and that was difficult. That that was really hard and. Um, and uh, and and I probably only realised how hard it is was when I packed in that 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 then maybe is what you should have been doing. But then, would the football have, have have struggled? You know what I mean. So it's 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 getting that fine balance and um, and having that having that support support mechanism around you. Squat on, mate. Um, and the last thing I wanted to discuss um, is podcasting. So you do a show with me. Uh, Monday, Friday, uh, and I, I don't necessarily want to talk about the the podcast specifically in terms of you know the guests and and this. What I wanted to get your your opinion on, and I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm not going to say very much about it. I just want to hear you is the start, um, what you wanted it to be um, when I first approached you and stuff like that. What what were your aims then? How have those aims changed, and how has it, if it has at all, impacted or helped you or done anything like just the the impact I guess of it as a whole on on you as a person on your life if it has anything at all and just talk about that side of it so not necessarily specifically about the podcast but more about it generally aims etc. Um. When you approached me to do to do a show as a guest, I thought that was it. I thought just I, I, that was as, that was is going to be. It was uh, it was just do a show, uh, and that was it. And it was probably only when you asked me to do it again, I thought about it and I thought I thought the pros and cons. I thought I thought listen, it's it, it's something that I've got a passion in football. Um, I had the time to do it that suited me. Um, because I think that's important that things have to be built around other things now and I, and I what I've just spoke about there about being selfish and being um, being driven I think it had to be built around lifestyles and, 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 and other things um, um, it's uh, it, 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 it took off I think uh, I think and, and, and probably the moment I knew it took off is when we went live I'll be honest I, you know I mean the other shows were amazing don't get me wrong but it was it wasn't that kind of interaction. What it is now, when we're when we're having those interactions, we're having we're having the disagreements, and we're and we're able to bounce off other people. Um, I think just makes it so much better, so much fun. Um, the enjoyment levels there, and you know what I mean. And I, it's 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 amazing. You know, what I mean? and and listen, COVID's been a nightmare for everybody. Uh, it ruined lots of lives, and 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 it's been the worst time ever. Um, for me personally. Been amazing for the from from our confidence levels because I've done more podcasts. I've been able to speak to live guests. I've been able to speak to heroes. I've been able to speak to, to teammates, to opposition players who are playing against. Um, so that's 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 a plus that I've taken from it. Um, I've been able to do other ones for other people and compare. What I think is important as well that 
that what can we improve? We, you know, we've had numerous conversations about improving, going to next levels. How do we do it? Do it. Um, is there, is there an, a progression? Um, and for me, the progression. I wouldn't say it's TV. Uh, I think I think the progression, uh, for me, the progression of a podcast has got to be the kind of radio. You know what I mean? Because it's it's that kind of thing. Yes, you go, you're on the screen. I mean, it's like you haven't got a big TV camera in your face, and I think sometimes that can put you in a in a different diff, different situation and, and and feel a lot under pressure. You know what I mean? When you're looking at a computer, which which is a norm. When you're looking at a device, which is a norm. You're looking at your phone, which is just normal. Um, when people have done these Zoom calls and people have done these Skype calls, you look at yourself for ages because I, I, I'm doing this podcast now. I'm sat looking at myself because I, I want to make sure that I'm looking in the right position. So whoever I'm with, if it's Clark Carlisle last Monday on my own, if it's um, Willie Boland, I mean, I'll be making sure that I'm handling myself right and I'm in the right position and and, and, I, and I'm doing it right. So I'm looking at myself and I don't really I don't really look at the other person because I think it's 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 important that that I'm in the right position of my screen and stuff and, and, and it's all working out so you know I've loved it Si it's perfect timing and I, I, I hope um, things can progress on to the next level whatever that level is if that's um, a bigger platform I, I would love that opportunity and I don't mean that as in make sure and I've said this all along the show works because we work well together we don't get on all of the time I, sorry I'll start that again we don't get on in topics all of the time. You know what I mean? We get yeah. on off the show because uh, we're friends and we and we and we and we, and we get on really well. But and I think just sit there and we just say about the same thing. You know what I mean? If that's Cardiff City and 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 I think they've played well, you don't think they have. They've made a good signing, no, they haven't. Um, it, you know what I mean? And I'll use the example for the viewers of um, of that young girl who signed for Millwall or Charlton uh, and was listen. That was one of my favourite shows of all time for me and you because. It, it, we, I probably could have still been on it today that we were that we were you had one opinion I had another my opinion in, in my eyes was right your opinion in your eyes was right if we had the same question again tomorrow and so would you and that, and, that, and that's what yeah. makes it you know what I mean we're not we don't do it and we didn't we didn't we didn't ring each, ring each other up and say right you need to say this and I need to say that because yeah. things things are so fake they, they don't work you know it's got to be natural and I think we come across really natural I think the chemistry is is there who want to come on? People are now approaching us to come on, and I think that's that's key. You know, I mean, the guests that we've had have made the show. I'll be honest. You know, I mean, they've they've made it, and they've, they've been amazing. Uh, we've been so lucky and so fortunate to have some uh, some outrageous guests with some stories to tell. Oh, uh, guests, by the way, there's, there's there's some guests who keep on getting really good uh, really good jobs after the leave after the, the finish our show. Yeah. So maybe we, maybe you should start signing contracts about uh, about about. Um, Plugs or maybe mm -hmm. some some kind of fee for ourselves. Take a percentage uh, of future well, listen, mate. Yeah, listen. We we I say this to people when I want them to come on. That do you want to raise your profile? You know what I mean? Uh, do, do you want do you want, do you want to tell your story? Where do you want to go? Do you want to be a manager? Do you want to be assistant manager? Do you want to get back into football? Do you want to be a? Do you want to tell the world that you've got no club? Come on and come on and tell your story. Just be visible. And yeah. um, if that's what if that's what if that, if that helps anybody then. And so be it. You know, I mean, we're helping somebody out as well as helping ourselves because the show's working. The show's a success. People are loving it, and uh, long, long may it continue. By the way, hundred percent, mate. And I think um, the only thing I'd say in regards to you know bigger platform and stuff like that, we just wanted to grow. And like personally, like for me, I'd happily keep it on YouTube and Facebook 
and uh, Ace Podcast Nation. If but what what it's got to be is it's got to be it's got to be in like at some point it's got to start paying money from my point of view just because of the amount of of time and effort and everything which goes into everything. So like we'll always listen to anyone, but for me, if we could get like or say for me personally for the four I do four shows a week in total. If I could get sponsors which pay decently for those four shows every week, then I'm happy to keep it on Ace Podcast Nation and keep growing it that way and eventually get half a million views or thirty thousand views, whatever every episode. That's fine because then we're in control of it. We can keep regular interaction with all the the you know the regular viewers, etc., etc. But one thing we have always said uh, to round it off is that we will listen to anyone who wants to get involved, wants to speak to us about their platform. And there's been a couple recently. Wasn't uh, what's the word without being rude wasn't like appropriate yeah someone for us i'll tell a very 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 quick story someone offered me um a slot on a radio show for this series uh the my story series um but they wanted me to send them my content which i had edited and produced and recorded and then they wanted me to pay for a slot on their radio station to get it, it's not um, a digital radio station, just an online radio station. But uh, I have more Facebook followers, or Ace Podcast Nation has more Facebook followers than what they do. So hmm. I, I was Money. shocked. Yeah, it's weird. But there we go. It is what it is. People, I, I, I listened and I was uh, interested. Um, but yeah, Andy Campbell, thank you for joining me, mate. It's been a pleasure. Oh, um, Donna, very sorry, mate, just very quickly. Donna, um, the reason it's not normally live is because I record the MMA and f- uh, boxing show on a Sunday night. And also, I find that a lot of guests don't always want to do uh, like a, a Sunday show. But it is something I'm going to look into about doing it on a Sunday live. And then maybe I'll do the... MMA and boxing one live on a Wednesday then with Danny and um, it all comes down to logistics and stuff but I wanted to give something back to you guys because I was really touched by the amount of people who reached out to me over the last 10 days uh, which was a killer by the way not doing any podcasts that was like the longest time 10 days of uh, in a very long time but um, anyway guys I appreciate all of you watching uh, getting involved Please check out the previous episodes of my story. There's the first nine episodes of this series, plus uh, series one featured Reese Weston, Scott Young, plus loads of other people, Adam Hollyoke, Lofty from EastEnders. Um, who else have we had? We had Shed Sevens, lead singer on last week, uh, or the last episode. It's always a good time telling people's story, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow, uh, myself and Andy, with the one and only Willie Boland. Uh, spread the word, tell your friends, Keep it Ace Podcast Nation. Follow at AC Footy Show for the football stuff. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow night live at 7.30. And I'll make sure I play the right clip to finish the show instead of the old one, which I played at the start. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, guys. Thanks, mate.
number one, desirable. I do what I want when I want and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the air, just how I love. I got tons of soul on my true collectible. Famous, super famous, number one, desirable. I do what I want when I want and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the air, that's how I roll. I got teachers, so I don't care about no gold. Better, so much better, flipping, incredible. Always on the show, so they know that I still got it. And I never feel sorry, yeah, it's about the world. Sports Social Podcast Network.